Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. into this week's Dublin to Denver podcast with me, Colm Cronin, and as always, joined by the, I, I have said this on the show previously, but he is the, the truly gifted Stuart Roach. Stuart, how are you doing, sir? I'm very good, Colm, although I feel a little bit intimidated by our guest because he's, he's, he's raised the Nuggets hot game to... Uh, to a level that I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to compete with, given, uh, you know, I don't actually live in Colorado. Um, well, I, I mean, so I've got this one. Obviously, the listeners can't see this, but I've got a pretty, oh, pretty nice, pretty nice, but uh, our guest has, has effectively blown me out of the water. Uh, but uh, I do have a T-shirt to match his, but we, we it's, fortunately, this is a podcast as opposed to, as opposed to a YouTube special. But yeah, no, I'm doing very well. And finally, we get to talk about a game of Broncos football, albeit preseason game. But it did uh, it did throw up some very interesting discussion points. Um, and to me, Colm, I think it's kind of highlighted what is becoming sort of a sort of a fraction or a sort of a, almost a kind of a a break in Broncos country because I think it's beginning slowly to kind of go. You're either on one side or the other. Um, and, and I think that's you know, I, I think there's a little bit of black and white coming into Broncos country thinking, uh, especially when it comes to the, the quarterback and the offense. Um, and, uh, you know, for two people who are from Ireland, um, when all it does is rain pretty much 12 months of the year, grey is, is where we are most comfortable. And I think grey is, is where the, the Broncos offense is um, at the moment, which is probably a little bit better than puce, which is the color it seems to be. <laughs> For all Glad last season, yeah, but uh, no, I, I think it's interesting, and I do, and, and I know, Colin, we're we're going to talk about this, but you know, if you've spent any time online over the last couple of days, you cannot but uh, realize that 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 there seems to be very much a you're in this camp or you're in that camp, um, and that does seem to be the tone for the season going forward. So I think there's going to be some heated discussion, certainly online, at the last sort of seventy two hours of anything to go by. Well, if if the last five seasons are anything to go by, yes, that that may well uh, come to pass. Now it is the the just the one preseason game thus far, but we are going to delve into that, and we are delighted to welcome a guest to this week's podcast, and that is the very talented Zach Seegers from the Let's Talk Broncos podcast. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing great. I'm excited to finally be on with you guys. And uh, uh, I don't know, live in that gray area, son. I feel like that's where I specialize. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, like let's uh, get your take. Obviously, the preseason game, a lot of talk, a lot of response afterwards. Stuart has mentioned the different camps we've seen 
I suppose, an, a number of different, um, you know, takes in the national media. I think national media certainly have been very critical of Russ. So Greg Rosenthal uh, did his kind of roundup of all of the week one preseason games. And he highlighted um, the fact that Russ again took a, a number of hits that, um, okay, there were there were problems with the, the line, but he was very critical of Russ. Although he did say that Stidham was even worse in relief was is an exact quote uh, from him. We know Kyle Brandt. Uh, had a, a very public go at the the Broncos, um, you know, m- more so maybe Sean Payton, um, and uh, particularly kind of hyping up that Week Five game against the Jets. But again, there is a lot of airtime to to fill. Other people feeling that you know, Russell Wilson, you know, showed improvement from what we saw last year and the the puce color of the offense that Stuart mentioned. But for you, Zach, I suppose, what was your take on what you saw at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's not my biggest concern. Um, I think it was a bad game. or I don't even know if I'd go as far as to say bad. Like, he didn't um, cover himself in glory. Uh, but uh, I don't know. And some of it might just be the bar has been set so low for last year, but I, I was not that upset with what we saw from Russell Wilson. He was pressured on 64% of his dropbacks, which is, I mean, absolutely insane. The Dallas Cowboys were a dominant, dominant, dominant pass rush last year, and their pass rush win rate was in the 40s. So this was like a, <laughs> it's a 50% better. They, they made the Cardinals preseason defensive line look 50% better than the Dallas Cowboys, like all world defensive front. It's very concerning to me. Um, But given that, I think Russ was okay. Um, I'm sure you can find flaws in that performance. Again, it wasn't a marvelous one, but nothing uh, uh, scatters a quarterback more than horrendous line play. And and that's what Russ had to deal with. Um, All all in all, he still finished seven of 13 with the touchdown and the touchdown is going to boost a lot of the like pass rating stats and whatnot there for him. Uh, but I, I I don't come away from that game concerned about Russell Wilson. I think what we saw from that game might be what we see from Russell Wilson all season, and that's going to make things very complicated for the Broncos. If Russell Wilson is great this year, that's a very easy answer come the end of the season. If he's terrible, that's another very easy answer come the end of the season. If he is kind of like what he showed against the Cardinals, which is like, he wasn't great, but he wasn't the problem. It's going to be, that's honestly, in my opinion, the worst case scenario for the Broncos. Because in that reality, it's probably too painful to cut him for Sean Payton, a coach that's looking to win right now. But you're also probably have already missed the boat on winning a Super Bowl or, or winning big games with Russell Wilson. And so I'd, I'd rather him look awesome or terrible. And I think um, the first preseason game, he was fine. And that's just, that's not good enough given the Broncos investment. And Stuart, just before I come to you, Zach, can I follow up? As I say, he's not the problem, right? And that's fair enough. The O-line, we've seen the, the stats and it was the, Stidham was pressured. I think it was one in three. Warren Sharp had um, that the Broncos QBs, the most pressured and the third most pressured in week one preseason. But... Can I play devil's advocate a little bit and ask the question that Russ isn't the problem, the O-line is the problem. That is something that seems to follow Russ around. Everywhere Russ goes, it follows him around. And I go back 
to last season against the, the Titans. And I think Russ got hit, was it 14 times against the, the Titans? Um, in, in that game, six sacks hit 14 times. You know, you can go back to the, the Seahawks days. It was the same thing. The O-line needs to do better. We've seen Russ get sacked like innumerable times. It 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 does follow him around. And granted, the, the O-line play was terrible at, at the weekend, but why does this continually follow this QB at two different franchises now? Yeah, he holds the ball too long. He holds the ball too long. And, and that's the thing. It's not in either or. Now, again, I'm saying last night, I don't think, or not last night, this week, he wasn't the problem because, again, 64% pressure rate. I That's maybe inflated some by Russ, or not even maybe, it's probably inflated some by Russ. But, again, like best pass rush in the league by a wide margin last year was the Dallas Cowboys and they were in the forties and the Cardinals who have, I mean, the least talented defensive front in, in football, or they're at least in the conversation for that honor um, or dishonor uh, pressured him at a rate of 64%. So like totally Russell, the quarterback is part of pressure. It's part he's part of sacks. And again, let's not black and white it. He's either, causing the sacks or he's not he's a part of it um i just i don't i don't know it was so the protection was so bad that um i'm i'm being a little forgiving with russ maybe and that's understandable um i guess we 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 will see and time will truly tell on this one stuart what what was your take on the offensive performance uh from the the weekend I think if you look, Colin, um, as I've started to now look at the very early mock drafts uh, to see which quarterback we're going to pass over with pick 12 um, in the first round next year. Um, the Arizona Cardinals, pretty much every mock draft that I've read over the last week or two are picking either one or two, or in some cases, one and two um, due to the, the trades, I think, from last year. Um, you know, so they're very much in the in the Williams um from USC sweepstakes, which is, you know, not quite willing the Trevor Lawrence was a few years ago, but not far off it. So for their defense to look like the 85 Bears, as it did the other night, against a virtually full-strength offensive line, I know we're missing McGlinchey, but to the best of my knowledge, the other four starters or pencil in starters all played. Um, and yeah, and, and I think absolutely I'd agree that Russell does hold on to the ball too long. Um, you know, uh, and and has has been the case for some time, and was definitely the case the other night. But the offensive line was 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 a train wreck. And yeah, I know this talk we're going to get it fixed, but that Arizona Cardinals defense is is very much going to be um, one of the worst in the league, uh, barring a miracle. They, they have no talent to speak of. Um, you know, and I and I think obviously JJ Watt retired, Zach Allen left. Franz Joseph, I mean, he's a different, obviously, different conversation. He's left, so there's tur- turmoil in that defense. They don't have a huge amount of talent on the defense, but they look brilliant. And um, I found it, re- uh, it was concerning. There's always a caveat with this stuff, Colin. It's the first preseason game, so, you know, you can't lose your head one way or the other. But I also think that that has to cut both ways. So if, if you're not going to lose your head over the way the, the offense looks, in my opinion, which looks like it's a little short of a dumpster fire for most of the game, then I, I think then that has to extend to the point where you 
you cannot then go, I thought the offense was trending upwards. There were so many articles that came out after the game got the offense looked really good. The offense was kept on the field for at least one series more than Sean Payton had said they were going to stay on the field in order to score a touchdown, to desperately get some kind of confidence back, it looked like to me. Um, the only time I could think of that something like that happened was when Big Fangio um, sort of contrived to win Teddy Bridgewater the job, the, the heady days of the Teddy Bridgewater Drew Locke camp battles. Um, when he went for and forth down on a couple of occasions, it seemed to drive the narrative that Teddy was the one that was going to get the wins for the for the team. Like, that was the only reason to leave Russell Wilson and the offense out there for another series, and it was the only reason for them to go for fourth down in the second quarter. Like, teams just tend not to do that in preseason. There's no point to it. Um, so it, it struck me as that we had to score a touchdown on Russell's final drive, or else the, the, the discussions would have been just how appalling the offense was, whereas I think that touchdown pass to Judy changed the narrative slightly in that, oh, you know, they looked, they looked good towards, you know, on their final drive. Their final drive, which was largely against the Cardinals' second-string defense. So not only had the Cardinals' first-string offense, you know, gave us fits in the first quarter and parts of the second quarter, most of them were sitting down at that stage. So we are now celebrating the fact that Russell scored a touchdown um, against the Cardinals' second defense. Yeah, the bar is incredibly low, if that's the case. You know, I think, yeah, Russell wasn't the problem either night, but unfortunately he's really, you know, a million miles away from being the answer either, which considering what we can mm-hmm. book from is, is, is at this stage to me is, is a problem. Um, you know, and I think like I, the one thing though, I do think one of the staples that we've had over the last few years, and you, you do genuinely wonder how sometimes the guys keep going with the same kind of ferocity they do. The defense has always shown up and continues to show up and showed up again the other night as well. The players, you know, we, like even even players are like we seem now to be able to to find players and slot them in. The schemes work, you know. The coordinators is not there has been turnover in the sense that you know we've we've seen promising uh, position coaches go up to, to other teams to to become defensive coordinators, and that I think is is actually a positive sign. It shows that we're picking the right personnel. So the defense is still going to be strong, but to me, again, let's not read too much into it. But it did look like kind of a snapshot of last season where the defense played its heart out and the offense was an act. And what did we score the other night? Was it 16, 15 points, which was, was the season average, I think, last year, right? 16 or 17? So. Uh, 17, yeah. Yeah. You know, look, as I said, you don't want to read too much into it, but uh, you kind of have to read something into it because, you know, there's only two more of these before they play against the Raiders. So, so I suppose, I mean, I the, the results... Are, are, to me, are, are not something one can ever should take notice of. Right? I keep pointing out forever that the Owen sixteen Browns and the Owen sixteen Lions both went four and zero in preseason, and the Rams team that won the Super Bowl went zero and three in in preseason. But it's how you look and and what you're trying out. Um, Zach, were there? What were what were your other kind of takeaways from um the the game? I mean, obviously, look, everyone's talking about the kicking um situation. Um, what what was um what 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 can you see that the the Broncos do doing there? Um, we've heard got the news today, obviously, that Brett Meyer now is the only uh, kicker on the roster. Um, and what what 
do you see Sean Payton doing to sort things out ahead of the the game against the the 49ers? Yeah, on the kicker thing really quick. I don't I'm I'm fairly unconcerned um which I think is a minority opinion, but I think there's this like empirical knowledge that like Brandon McMahon is might not have been great, but he was solid. He was a solid kicker. He was fine, you know, maybe not a a plus kicker, but not a minus either. And that's just not true. Over the past, I'll probably miss up the range, mess up the range here a little, but it's in like four or five years. Majority of that time, if you look at Football Outsiders kicking metrics, he's a bottom 10 kicker in the league. Was so consistent. Brett Maher just last season was a top 10 kicker for the flip side. Uh, Was, I think, second most accurate behind only Justin Tucker. And then totally melted down in that postseason game. Then was awesome in training camp, shows up in the preseason, whiffs his first kick pretty badly. Um, he's also relatively young. I don't think this is a case of just like a guy losing his leg. He's uh, been around the NFL for five years now. Um, and again, is a kicker. Uh, so I just think he has to overcome the yips. And plenty of kickers have not been able to do that like a, what was it? Walsh, uh, B Blair Walsh. That's what it was. Blair Walsh for the Vikings had that one kick. And then like, he was a pro bowl kicker. And then his career was just done after that. He just could not overcome the yips. So it's not a given that Maher will overcome the yips, but I just, I don't think there were better options out there. And okay. We feel a little shaky about how reliable Maher was going to be. If you weren't just basing it off of the McManus name, you should have felt unsure all last season when McManus was trotting out to pay kicks. Also, Maher isn't a locker room problem. Like, the level I think you can tolerate locker room problems from your kicker is so much lower than you can from, like, a starting wide receiver or, you know, fill-in-the-blank position. When you've got your kicker throwing teammates under the bus and just, like, causing issues with a large portion of the locker room where a lot of the guys are like, I do not want to deal with this person. Yeah, get rid of him and bring in a cheap kicker that is also unreliable. Like, I guess that's what it is for me. I'm not ecstatic about the Broncos kicking situation, but it's not that hard for me to imagine it being almost identical to last year, if not better, for a lot less money and a lot less locker room headaches. And at kicker, I'm okay with that, especially given the Broncos timeline. If we were having conversations about the Denver Broncos that involved the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Buffalo Bills, and the Kansas City Chiefs, I would be like, okay, they need to figure out this kicker thing because they might be in a close game come January. This seems not there. Hopefully, hopefully they make some noise and can fight for a playoff spot. That's what we're all, like, that's the, I think, ceiling for this team in this year is, like, maybe a playoff win. And so I just, I don't, I'm not going to lose much sleep over the kicking thing right now. Um, It's not great. Maybe it gives the Broncos a better draft pick, ultimately. That's kind of my viewpoint on that. Uh, but other things that concern me, like if we want to drill down a little more off, it's like left tackle Garrett Bulls. That has not gotten enough attention all offseason long. We have this player at left tackle, one of the most important positions, coming off a fractured leg, who for the start of 2022 was on pace to have his most penalized season in his career. Uh, let's be clear. Uh, I just said, Garrett Bowles was on pace for his most penalized season of his career last year. That's a that's a high bar to clear. That's not a what's your line, Colum? 
uh, uh, who's taller contest at Danny DeVito? Than Danny DeVito contest. Yeah, no, this is a this is a taller than Yao Ming contest, and Garrett Bowles <laughs> won it. I mean, it like it or was was projected to win it before he fractured his leg, and now he's coming back from this fractured leg injury. Most recently, we saw that in a, a Giants guard who took 13 months to return to the field. Garrett Bowles is being expected to return to the field in 10. And, and he's not starting to guard where he's got help on either side. He's starting to tackle. And, and you saw him against, I honestly can't even remember the Cardinals pass rusher's name because of how bad that Cardinals defense is. Dan Gardeck? Is it Dennis Gardeck? Is it D Gardeck? I, I mean, put Garrett Bowles in a clown suit. It was, I mean, I would be having nightmares about that if I was a Broncos fan. Hopefully Isaiah Prince can swing over to the left side too. Hopefully Cam Fleming gets uh, uh, fired up quickly. I said this on last night's LTB podcast. I, I think Garrett Bowles does not start the majority of games for the Broncos at left tackle this season. And I don't think it's going to be injury. I think he's going to be that bad where he gets finished. I I mean, like I, I suppose we've certainly talked about it, Stuart, you, you and I on this podcast plenty. Garrett Bowles was the beneficiary of of a COVID year where essentially they stopped calling holes, and you can look at at that holding calls were down over forty percent that year. Garrett Bowles is a man mountain, like physically as a physical template, he is exactly what you would want uh, as a tackle. the The issue with Garrett Bowles has been concentration, um, and uh, technique sometimes. But if he's allowed to hold you. There's no way you're getting around because he's that big that forget about it. Um, but if he can't hold you, uh, his his technique, his concentration are not up uh, to it. So that would be a concern. And Zach, you are somebody, you, you know, you have been at camp um, and, and you have, have seen it. And I know that, that Troy and others were talking about it being an issue. Troy Rank has brought it up that he saw it as an issue throughout camp. Yeah, wa- watching him in camp, it was like, Man, either Nick Benito got a lot better or Garrett Bowles got a lot worse. Thankfully, it looks like it's at least both. It's not just Garrett Bowles looking bad. And then we saw Nick Benito go out there and be like, okay, so it's definitely not the Benito one. Benito looked good and Bowles looked bad. So at least you also got the positive end of the spectrum. But yeah, I I mean, it's been a really shaky camp for Bowles all throughout. Um, And then I've heard about some... Uh, uh, really bad breakdowns in the practices that weren't open to the public from Bulls. So I just, I'm not confident. I'm really not confident in Bulls. It was something where over the summer, I was trying to look at like, what are the red flags for this season? Like last year, I didn't pay enough attention to uh, attention to Russ's decline in 2020 and 2021. I didn't pay enough enough attention to how green the coaching staff was. I was I was too quick to write that off, and I was too quick to write off um, the carte blanche that Hackett was giving Russell Wilson over the offense. The, the, those were like the red flags last year. I I didn't pay attention to. So this year I was trying to think like what might cause this season to be disastrous that I'm not uh, paying enough mind to. Garrett Bowles was a big one. And the extreme lack of depth on the defensive line was a big one. And now with DJ Jones injured, Mike Purcell injured, uh, that one's rearing its head. And, and we saw the tackle one rear its head uh, against the Cardinals. And, 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 oh, 
no, I, I, I was just going to say, Stuart, and I'll let you, just on the, the injury front, um, Zach has mentioned some there, but obviously we saw Patrick Sertan held out as well. Now we've heard Sean Payton say that might, you know, that, that he should, we should be back soon, but that is certainly a concern that we appear to be accruing, um, you know, injuries once again, as we go through camp. Sorry, Stuart, just with Zach mentioning injuries, I thought it was common, worth commenting on there. Um, the, the floor is yours. Yeah, it's like so. Um, you, you'd mentioned Nick Benito, and, and it was it was good to hear the stories. We don't really get to see much training camp over here, so we kind of have to rely on reports, you know, later on that day. But Nick Benito's name was mentioned, um, and you know, given Randy Gregory's, uh, you know, farcical injury history, Nick Benito or Byron Browning or, or Cooper are going to be important for this team. You'd, you'd imagine. So, as you said, it was great to, to see Nick Benito continue that sort of ascendancy that he's had. In the, in the game the other night, was there anybody else that you felt had had a good training camp that then um, brought it onto the field the other night? Obviously, um, the running back McLaughlin had scored that touchdown. He does have that that burst of pace, which you know is something that, uh, particularly when you think of a Sean Payton offense, you know, obviously Alan Kamara is the, is the prime example. I'm not saying he's going to be Alan Kamara, but he has he has that 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 speed that you like. Anyone else that that flashed for you? Anybody else that you felt continued their good work during camp into the game that you you think now is looks like they could have a significant kind of a role or or, or some kind of role in the Broncos, hopefully offense going <laughs> forward into the new season. Yeah, hopefully offense is going to make it tougher on me here. Um, I've got a lot of defense, unfortunately. Um, I think Bassey looked good, and and McMillian, um, uh, both depth cornerbacks. Um, Bassey did get be uh, a kind of bad by Rondale Moore on one play. Watching it back, I think that's just a case of Rondale Moore moves very special for a human being, and and on some of those uh, 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 quick breaks, if if the ball is delivered on time, I I really don't know what you're going to do as a cornerback there. Um, he did a good job like staying in the play and, and making sure it didn't go for like a long touchdown or anything. Um, but then immediately back bounced back with the interception. Yes. He was aided by the wide receiver falling over, but that happens sometimes in football. Like sometimes the play doesn't go exactly as the offense design and you want defensive players that can take advantage of that. Plenty of times the defense doesn't take advantage of it. Um, so I, I thought that was terrific to see from him. Uh, love seeing his physicality around the down marker on that Sean Payton challenge. Of course, uh, uh, that didn't pan out. Um, but again, he's a smaller corner. So just seeing him try and stand a guy up at the down marker and, and hold him back, I, I thought was impressive. Uh, had some great special teams plays. And, and they need this uh, uh, from him. K1, well, for starters, it looks like Caden's going to be playing a lot more at safety. That means you're going to see him a lot less in these nickel dime packages. Uh, so you're losing the backup to K1 effectively. And K1 needs a backup. K1 uh, uh, hasn't missed a lot of time in, in his NFL career, but he consistently misses a couple, three games every season, which basically plays. He's an absolute glass eater, to use a scouting term, and he's a smaller quarterback. It's going to happen. Um, saying Bassey looks like he can help fill in there. Uh, uh, you know, the boundary corner depth is also a little suspect with Riley Moss. Uh, being injured and also a total rookie. Um, last year's staff, Evero and, and company, absolutely loved McMillian. Uh, I think Christian Parker helped him uh, carry over this year, and we're seeing more tremendous things from him. I think he will be uh, the first player called up if anything happens to Sertan or Damari Mathis. 
a great camp. And then I, I was really impressed with what he did in that preseason game. And then, dang, uh, we're going strength on strength here. More members of the secondary. I thought DTY was awesome. DTY has been sneak, and that might be important given uh, PJ Locke's unfortunate injury news breaking today. Uh, they sent the card out for him. Um, no word on what that is yet, at least that I've seen, but it, it sounds very not good. Um, so you're losing him. You already have some injury question marks with Simmons and Jackson and Stearns now, uh, you know, missing practice throughout training camp here, those three. Um, and suddenly the path is open for DTY to not only make this roster, but maybe have an impact on this team. Uh, that would have really scared me two months ago. Now I feel more okay with it. I, I think he's been better than JL Skinner and JL Skinner will get, all the buzz from Broncos country because he was the sixth round pick that all the draft Knicks projected to go in the fourth round. And like, I understand that's exciting, but DTY has been better throughout this summer. And if I had to trust one of them right now to line up at safety for the Broncos, it'd be DTY by a comfortable margin. Um, exactly. I don't know uh, whether you will have seen it and some listeners may be familiar with it. I'm sure Stuart will know, but in the Monty Python movie, the, the life of Brian, they famously ask, you know, what have the Romans ever done for us? And they, they kind of debating this and then they, they kind of say, well, you know, medicine. Um, and then, okay, so they gave us medicine. What, what else? And then irrigation. Okay. Well, apart from medicine and irrigation, what else? And then health. Okay. Roads, cheese, education. Well, apart from medicine, irrigation, health, roads, cheese, education, um, the baths, circus maximus, what have the Romans ever, ever done for us? And it just highlights, you know, all of the things that the Romans did. Um, we've talked a lot about many of the issues that we saw in, uh, the preseason week one. So apart from the the left guard, um, the the left the left tackle, the center, Russell Wilson, uh, the drop passes, um, the offensive struggles, and everything else, apart from those things, what what was like? Ooh, that's really tough. What would I want to see? Um, huh, I. I... Man, let me think. Apart from all of that stuff, what would I like to see? Corlin Sutton, right? Javante actually is pretty good. I, that would be the honest answer. I forgot about him because he didn't play in that game. But yeah, it'd be Javante looking good. And I have to say, he has looked as positive as it could possibly be uh, in training camp. And I, I felt like I was one of the most hesitant people on Javante Williams. All offseason long, we were talking about free agency, talking about the draft. I was pounding the table for the Broncos, adding a legit, someone better than Samaji Pirine, frankly. And that's not a disrespect to Samaji Pirine, but someone that can really sh split carries with Javante Williams or buy Javante some time as he comes back from this injury. Um, Multi-ligament knee injuries see 30% of players never return to the field again. Like, I don't know. I, my, my expectations were very low for Javante. He could not look better in camp. Um, given the qualifier that in training camp, unless you're like at Pittsburgh Steelers camp, there isn't real tackling, there isn't real contact. Um, but he's running into, like, like there's no hole for him to run through. He will run right into the defensive linemen and the linebackers and push that pile four or five yards, just like you want to see from Javante Williams. 
Um, uh, Joey pointed this out, my, my co-host, Joey Richards, and I think he's absolutely right in it. His vision looks a lot better. Typically, Javante Williams is not a training camp player. Like he's, His style is not built for training camp. It's built for Montreal Washington, who struggles with content, but it, contact, but is great in space. It's not so good for Javante Williams, who's kind of the opposite. This year, he's looked a lot better, and I think it's because of improved vision. Um, it might be that and the fact that this uh, Sean Payton run game is, a, is much better suited for what he's good at and is a little less demanding in terms of his vision. But he's hitting the holes a lot more confidently. It seems like he's picking the right holes a lot more frequently. Um, and those are the mental gains you're going to see him make as he returns from the devastating injury. And I'm, I'm optimistic to see him making those already in camp. How do you think, uh, Zach? You, you um, you're keeping an eye on now uh, against the Niners. Who, um, uh, you know, if you thought we looked bad at times, um, the Niners managed to get blown out by the Raiders, which I don't think I've ever uh, used that those words in a sentence, or not certainly not for the best parts of a decade. Um, anything in particular you, you you're keeping your eye on? Um, it's I know it's difficult given that we're not exactly sure how many starters are going to play, but you'd, you'd imagine that quite a lot of the offense will have to play some minutes on Saturday, given what, what unfolded the other night. Um, apart from improved offensive line play, and you know maybe somebody's switching to left tackle, is there anything you're keeping your eye on this weekend? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think like the quarterbacks, of course. Um... And that's Jared Stidham too. We didn't talk about it too much, but the Broncos are paying Jared Stidham to be a guy where they can bench Russell Wilson for him. Like if things get bad enough, that's why they made him the second richest backup quarterback in football. Um, man, he looked far from that against the Arizona Cardinals. I think he was a really bad, it was, it was really bad quarterbacking. So need to see more from him. And then I just, again, want to see Russell Wilson look like the solution. I thought you put it perfectly earlier Stuart like yes he might not be the problem but he's not looking like the answer either and he frankly he has to be given what the Broncos have invested in him he has to be that Mahomes Josh Allen I am going to make this team right when everything else seems wrong uh type guy um and, and I haven't seen that at all yet even when things are looking good under Sean Payton so looking to hopefully see some of that against some more simplistic defenses and, and the wide receivers kind of shining out too. I, I want to see, uh, like I know Jerry Judy had the ugly drop, but outside of that one play, which yes, it was very, very ugly but outside of that one play. I thought he had a really, really good game. I think the Jerry Judy breakout we saw last season is only going to continue and intensify during this season. Um, and then, uh, Corlin Sutton, I thought had some moments, but I still just I need to see more from Corlin Sutton. Uh, there's all this tr the, the training camp reports about him looking unreal, and, and I personally I haven't seen that yet, so I, I want to see it in preseason. Let's see Corlin Sutton back to Corlin Sutton, uh, and if it doesn't happen this year, it's just it's not happening. It's time to throw him the towel. Any uh, anybody sticking their hand up to be the third wide receiver? Do you think so? question i like i i was thinking it was going to be brandon johnson everything they were doing in training camp was pointing towards it being brandon johnson now he has that injury and i think that's really gonna hurt his chances in the race um 
I think it's Callaway probably right now, but Mims is right there. If Mims can, I think they'd like Mims to win that job, but he's a rookie, and so they'll defer to Callaway. They're going to make Mims win it. Um, and as we're recording, Sean Payton has uh, been at the podium to confirm that Javante will play against the, the 49ers. And it's interesting in terms of Cortland Sutton, Zach, because, I mean, it's obviously a huge season for him after the, the contract um, extension that, that he signed and Tim Patrick signed. If it doesn't work out, you know, and, and unfortunately with Tim, I mean, I'd love for Tim to come back, but you've got to say missing two years at, at that age, it's very, very difficult to to come back. So the Broncos could be uh, looking for, um, you know, two new wide receivers, potentially uh, ne- next year um, as well. I think, um, you know, when, when Sean Payton came in and, and following that um, initial um, press conference and, and pro- possibly even following um, the first couple of months, uh, there was a, a there was optimism that that things were were changing. But um, I would say that the injuries and 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 certainly, um, you know, week week one of preseason um, have uh, have put so- something of a, a dampener on on things. Zach, you mentioned earlier that you know you see a playoff as a as as the team ceiling, um, which is still would still be pretty good to get to the playoffs in a in a stacked a- AFC how realistic do you think that is though uh I mean based on what I've seen before training camp I would have said pretty realistic um since training camp I don't think so I've gotten more since the start of training camp in preseason since like getting able to actually see these guys I've gotten more pessimistic about Russ and and like what Sean Payton can get him to be. I was thinking like, oh, he could probably get him to be Kirk Cousinsy, you know. And now, I, like, I mean, I think you're really crossing your fingers and and really hoping if if you think he can get him to be like the eleventh, twelfth best quarterback again. I I just, yeah, I don't think it's very likely. The AFC stacked to what you said. I would give it. 30% chance. I think the defense should be pretty good. It does look like Vance Joseph is is slowly transitioning to the Vance Joseph stuff. So we will get a lot of that Evero stuff um, and, and Fangio stuff that I think this defense has thrived operating in. Uh, I, I think the back seven is really good. Now that might change as some injuries start happening right now, but I think the back seven is pretty strong. The defensive front gives me nightmares. Um I just, I don't know. It's just, it's not a great team. I, this is what happens when you don't rebuild, when you're just trying to be the seven seed in the playoffs for eight straight years now. And I think that's what the Broncos, I think that's how the Broncos have built this team, unfortunately. I like the moment Peyton Manning retired, it's like, oh, well, with this great defense. And I don't know, maybe if we throw Brock Osweiler, oh, he's leaving. Well, maybe if we throw Trevor Simeon in there, we can still make the playoffs. And then if our defense gets hot again, and I feel like it's just been like that type of trying to talk yourself into it every year for eight years. I'm starting to think this one's no different. I think the hope right now, the best hope is you finally got a guy that like isn't going to deal with this bullshit and has the power to not deal with this bullshit and Sean Payton. And he could just, in theory, blow it up and just go, this is not good enough. We need to tear things down. 
and really start rebuilding it in my image next off season. And that's when I think things could get better. As for the injury stuff, Broncos fans, stop blaming the coaches for this. Like it's not on them. It like you saw one coach with one dramatic style, you deal with a lot of injuries, another coach with the opposite dramatic style, deal with a lot of injuries. And then you flipped back to the first style and you're still dealing with a lot of injuries. The one constant through all of that has been the altitude of Denver, Colorado and the strength staff being way too small. Their strength staff is one of the smallest in the NFL. That does not make sense when you have by far the richest owner in the NFL. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz was interviewed this offseason and said, I was a wildly rich owner and could spend my money in any way to give myself a competitive advantage. Like, I'll spend my money on my team in any way to give myself a competitive advantage. I would invest in the medical staff. Not the analytics teams, not uh, cash over cap spending, not hiring the best coaching staff, not hiring the best front office staff. Hiring a good medical staff and a large medical staff so that every player can get all the treatment they need. Right now, the Broncos medical staff has like two, three people uh, that are trained in whatever the cutting edge uh, 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 rehabilitative therapy uh, method is. Again, I'm uh, uh, going to butcher the name if I try to say. I think it's like CRT or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, they only have like two, three guys trained in this latest uh, thing, which is way fewer than most staffs are dealing with. Uh, These teams are 90 players large. (laughs) 90 guys can't get treatment on a weekly basis from two, three, unless you're really overtaxing those two, three people. Broncos have a hundred billion dollars that they're sitting on. Hire some more doctors. That'll fix the injuries. Not a different coach. That is my little soapbox. I enjoyed that. If that, yeah, well, they hopefully they do something. I mean, when they did that, you know, they the thing that they came out earlier in the spring where they talked to players from all the different teams and kind of looked at what you know they praised about their franchise. And were the Broncos one one of they might have been the only, or certainly one of there might have been one other team that didn't pay for nutrients and supplements and vitamins for the the players. Uh, I remember that standing out. Um, but certainly, I, I've i mentioned it on the, the podcast before, but I go back, Shelby Harris talking in uh, the 2019 season about the number of injuries um, and the fact that the Broncos, despite injuries going down across the league in 2020, the Broncos' injuries are up and then we saw the past couple of years. Yeah, but also as well, you can kind of help yourself by not signing free agents out of it. That's also very true. But you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not being facetious, but it's kind of true. It's like, you know, I mean, Randy Gregory on his day is an extremely talented pass rusher, but like Randy Gregory has never come close to finishing an NFL season, but before they made it 17 games as opposed to 16. So like, to, why would Randy Gregory suddenly finish 17 games this year? It's preposterous. Like if you're signing injury pro players, they're going to be injured. Stands to reason, unless you have this incredible cutting edge medical staff that can somehow fix them um and as you pointed out that we don't we don't i mean the medical staff we have is, is probably really good but there's not enough of them you know as you as you pointed out so that would be something that i would do um yeah, as well as hiring more medical people but yeah like it's that to me and we've done that not not all the time have seemingly picked free agents that we think we're going to be able to cure and we haven't and then we wonder why they're injured 
I think that's a massive factor and that's a huge part of it as well. Um, on the uh, strength staff point or training staff point, rather, really quick. Uh, in that NFLPA survey you were referencing, Colm, the Broncos finished bottom five in terms of their uh, training staff grade. Um, and they got a C plus on their uh, training room, which ranks uh, in the bottom half of the league. Where in the bottom half, I'm not exactly sure. Just glancing at this, but I don't know. Not, not very well. Um, several teams ranked ahead of them. Um, that's something that's it's just a financial investment. There's nothing holding the Broncos back from being number one on that list, except they haven't built the facilities and hired the people yet. There's no salary cap watchdogging. There's no hoops you have to jump through. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. They could very easily do what uh, uh, these top teams are. And, and who are the top teams? Like the Rams and the Eagles. Like those are the teams that have invested the most in their like strength and training staff. Two very smart, modern, forward-thinking uh, teams that have been very successful in the last half decade. The Broncos should be copying off their uh, uh, notes. Yeah, I think uh, you make a very valid point there, Zach. And for um, people, you know, mentioned the Let's Talk Broncos uh, podcast, but for people who want to check out more of your stuff, where can they do that? Yeah, Let's Talk Broncos is uh, the place. Search just that, Let's Talk Broncos, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you're more of a YouTube person, we're over there too. Search Let's Talk Broncos. Uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 p.m. Mountain. Um, I, I think just like uh, the Dublin to Denver crew, we we try and live in the gray area. You know, we'll, we'll give you the real negatives, but maybe not uh, just be depressing for the sake of being depressing. So check us out. De definitely a great crew over there. And yeah, it, it's not... Um... It's not toxic positivity, nor is it obsessed with the negatives either, which is what we endeavor to, to do here as well. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, to Stuart. Uh, thanks to you, Zach. Thanks to the crew at Mile High Report, who hosts the Dublin to Denver podcast. And for anyone listening, if you enjoy it, please do rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or better yet, tell someone about the, the podcast. That really is the easiest thing you can do is just recommend it to a friend. Fingers crossed, things will be a little bit better uh, against the, the 49ers. Um, and it means that we are also that bit closer to real, real football uh, which is now just uh, uh, over the horizon. Uh, Stuart, look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. Zach, thank you very much, and we'd love to have you back on again during the season. Yes, we'd love to, love to join you guys again. Thank you so much for having me.